0: We're going to be looking at a theme across every week through the characters of the Christmas story for these next five or, or so weeks. In the name of the series is God with us. It's a simple truth. We know uh, what Matthew 1 says that the angel Gabriel told Mary this, I think it's Matthew 1, which says, behold... There you go, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is, if you've been around church, we know that this is true, that we are celebrating that God was with us. But when we really stop and slow down and receive this gift, that's the presence of God and the significance of this gift, it, it is quite deep. And so that's what I hope that we will uh, look at here as we examine these different characters through the Christmas story because we can be distracted by all of these seemingly significant things that our culture says about this time of the year that that are really insignificant in the grand scheme of things and miss out on what's most significant again which is the God became man that the God creator of the universe chose to leave his throne as king and dwell with imperfect people like you and me it's amazing when we just stop and see it in the Christmas story is filled with details of this significance. So uh, we're going to be looking at Zechariah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. That's what we're going to be in this morning. We're going to look at Zechariah, first 25 verses of Luke. But before I need to gauge where we're at, where are my prepared folks in the room. Who's already set up Christmas tree lights? You're good to go. You're like celebrating radio stations on the Christmas. Come on. No, you're you're proud, so I need to see you. There you go. All right. First service had way more. I just want to say that for the record. Hey hey who's like not me? I'm I'm waiting to maybe the last minute I may even not put up a tree. Anybody bold enough to to confess in church? Okay, we got to stick together, right? We got to we got to know where our buddies are in in times of trial as we navigate all the jolly uh, stuff. So uh, preparedness is something that Zechariah was used by God to do. His son, John the Baptist, came to prepare the way for Jesus. And I want to look at six things. We're searching for the significance through this passage in Zechariah, And I, I started with three, but then the problem is I, f- I started focusing and I was like, no, there's actually six points from here. But I hope that these points encourage you, keep the main thing, the main thing. This Christmas season, no matter what your circumstance may look like, this may be the happiest season in, for you. You may be all Christmas. I uh, was with someone yesterday that said it's uh, the season of reminiscing, you know, and you may be the chief reminiscer and and love every little bit of this season. Or you may be going through one of the hardest seasons because of chaos and discord in your family. Or maybe this is the first Christmas that you don't have someone at the table. You're mourning the loss of mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, or son, or or daughter, or grandson, or granddaughter. For any reason, whatever our circumstance looks like, praise be to God that God made his dwelling place among us. He is with us. So let's search for the significance here in the Christmas Before we go to the six takeaways, I want to quickly skim through the prologue of the Gospel of Luke because it's amazing. It's one of the most uh, highly respected pieces of Greek writing in all time. That's secular and Christian. I mean, this is just beauty at its finest. We'll read a, a number of sentences, but in Greek, it actually reads like one Long sentence. Here's how Luke starts his gospel. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first, uh, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So there are four things quickly that I want to uh, go over that I think set up the remainder Of the passage carefully. Luke carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So we know that probably the gospel of Mark was written first. That's Peter's perspective and account. Mark wrote it down. That's the first gospel that was written. And then we have the gospel of Matthew. And so Luke looked at those accounts. He investigated everything. He was not an eyewitness of the gospel or of the life of Jesus, but he decided to still write an orderly account. He was a doctor. He was methodical. And so every little detail in Luke's gospel matters. There's great significance in his gospel. Most excellent, Theophilus. So Theophilus, some say, was an actual person. Others say that he was a lover of God. That's what Theophilus means a lover of God. If you are expecting a son, look, this would be an awesome name, Theo for short. I'm just saying, if we have a fifth, let's do it. Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So he wants us to know the truth for sure. He wants us to really be cemented in what happened on, during Jesus' life. He doesn't want us to be wishy-washy. So if you want an orderly account, that has been carefully investigated, written to those that want to love God or are loving God. Uh, This is a great gospel to read this Christmas season. Now that sets up verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Here's our main character today, who belonged to the priestly division of, oh man, I got it wrong first service. Here we go. Ubijah. You, you, you I think it's Ubijah. Abijah. So there it is. So it's Abijah. It's Abijah. Yes, division uh, of Abijah. First thing that popped out to me is the contrast here. If you are learning or reading an account and you read that there is a king and that there is a priest, just, I mean, who would we normally want to focus in on? It's probably not the priest. It's probably the king that has authority and power to rule and influence over people and a place, right? And yet it's ironic to me that we instead focus on a priest from the priestly division of Abijah. Now, Abijah is one of 24 divisions of priests established by David, so it's not even like a significant priest it's, it's one of 24, it's even more insignificant not only that, but he's just one of many in that division Zachariah is, and so it's awesome that from the beginning the significance is not in Herod, who, by the way, was Herod the Great. He did awesome things for Israel, for the people of God. He uh, brought, uh, started to bring peace in the midst of some chaos. He actually got favor from the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus himself, Octavian, and he uh, built a lot of buildings, his palace being one, but the most significant was the temple of God. So he did big things here, and yet we do not focus on the ruler. We are focused on this priest. It reminded me that this season, what are we focused in on? Are we focused on what we sometimes think is the most significant going thing going on, which is what's on our news, or are we focused on the little things. Let me tell you something. If we focus too much on what's on the news, on the rulers, on the politics, we will get stressed out and we will get worn out. We should be aware and we should be informed, but we should not be consumed by what's going on out there. Let's instead find the joy in the little things. This one man, a part of a division of priesthood, one of 20, for what does it look like for us to search for significance this Christmas season in the little things? find those little nuggets of joy share them with someone that you love I got a, a, a two emails back to back this is a very little thing okay so I'm just telling you that from the get-go but it was a father who, who's a missionary and a son who's doing awesome things in the business uh, world uh, technology just inc- and 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 the father and the son sent me an email at the same time so I just sent him a little quick text and I said hey it's the little things you know my two two emails at the same time they came to mind and I shared shot a text. What does it look like to focus on the little things and not be distracted by the seemingly significant yet actually insignificant things this Christmas season? Let's not allow those things to steal our joy. Anybody with me? That's our first Point Here's the second point. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very So we immediately uh, see tension here in the story. Zechariah and his wife, they are righteous. They're blameless. He is serving in God's temple. He's a priest. She is awesome and comes from an awesome family. And yet, there's an unanswered prayer here. There's, There's pain here. And what this reminded me of is that we need to expect purpose through pain because the story continues and they have a son and his name is John the Baptist who again prepares the way for Jesus. And the truth is for many of us, we may not get that answer to the prayer that we are hoping for, but let me tell you what we can do. We can join other people that are experiencing that same pain that we have because you, if, if this is you, if, 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 if you have had a hard time, I have awesome friends that live this so well. They share their story, and, and that provides blessing and comfort and hope for others that are going through the very same thing. The thing is, though, that it is hard to expect purpose from pain uh, when we are not seeing. What uh, When we are not seeing that answer, here's what I want to encourage us with. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul writes this, because as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We didn't plan this this morning, but may your word, I know, is a comfort for many in the room this morning. That's what happens when we share our pain There is purpose in it, and the purpose is to encourage us and to glorify Jesus. Elizabeth and Zechariah were were barren. Let's see what happens next in verse 8. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying out side and so he was one of these 24 divisions the the uh, the division of uh, <laughs> Obijah, it's getting me. I want to say Abijah, but it's Ubijah. And uh, in 1 Chronicles 24, it teaches us that these divisions would rotate and they would serve the temple and they would go in and they would burn incense, but only one person from that division would do it. So they would literally draw straws to see who would be the one to go in. In this case, Zachariah got it. Y'all, a once in a lifetime career opportunity. For Zechariah, and, and he and he goes in, and uh, this is an unexpected, significant encounter that takes place in verse eleven. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear, which is the common response when angels appear. Our kids are learning about angels, and I'm sure they're going to learn that they're beautiful and wonderful. We need to remember that every time an angel appears in the Old or New Testament, there's always Fear because they stood in the very presence of God. They were so holy. They were radiating God's very holy presence in the midst of imperfect people. And so they literally thought, am I about to die here? Is this it? He's in the temple where the presence of God was, was right on the other side of that curtain. And so when Zechariah saw him, there was fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And and now we read who John is and what he will do. He will be a joy and joy He's talking about John the Baptist, and he came to prepare the way for the Lord. There's only one John the Baptist. He came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. If you remember our prior series on the book of Malachi, this is the last book of the Old Testament, now being tied right here in chapter one of Luke to the New Testament. I just wanna refresh us from two verses. These these are prophecies in Malachi, 400 years prior to Jesus, uh, that are now being fulfilled through angel's uh, declaration, I will send a messenger, Malachi 3.1 says, who will prepare the way before me, that's John the Baptist, and then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, that's what's happening in real time in this scene with Zechariah and Gabriel in the temple, and then what John the Baptist will come and do, Malachi four five through 6 see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. So that's John the Baptist who has come again, only one. And here's what I'm, here's what what I want to encourage us to do. The, The significance here, I think, is who are we raising up that will point to Jesus, who are we investing in? Who are we discipling in that will prepare the way for other people to know Jesus? Again, we had a great example with May here, who was prepared, who, who who came and shared her story with us and pointed and glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to do the same. And if you are a mom or a dad, this is especially for us. Do you hear those two words? that uh, Zach, uh, Gabriel told Zechariah, uh, John the Baptist will be a joy and a delight. Isn't that the truth? That our kids, no matter what they're behaving like, are a true joy and a delight. They are to God. Are we seeing them as a joy and a delight? Are we raising them to point other people To Jesus, so that we have a new generation that comes up, that leads the church and continues to further the kingdom here on earth. That's what John the Baptist did. And that's what we're still called to do here today as we raise our little ones. I was preparing for, for the message, working from home this week, and um, I, I was right here on this point, and I was typing away, feeling good uh, about, and then I get a tap from my four-year-old asking if I would jump on the trampoline, and my answer was no. I don't have time to jump. I, I'm working right now. This is holy work that I'm about, and and unfortunately, that's my response uh, a lot, and, and the Grace of God fell upon me and said, hello, uh, walk and live what you're preaching or what you're preparing to preach. And so I, I got my you know, behind up and I started jumping on that trampoline. And our favorite thing to do is play this game called bunny hop. Uh, it's his title, not mine. And he hops like a bunny. And then when he's in the middle, I'm hopping in the middle. And then I double bounce the kid and he flies up and, and soars. And I pray on his way down laughing that he doesn't end up in the hospital. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But parents, that's what we're to do with our little ones. Double bounce them so that they thrive. Double bounce them and teach them, prepare them so that they can be those that point to Jesus in their schools and to their friends and then to their kids and their grandkids as they follow after us. Are we raising who's... Next, And if you don't have kids, maybe it's your grandkids or maybe it's a kid across the street or maybe it's as you uh, pour into our kids here in kids ministry or student ministry or, or serve in college, uh, a crosstalk student ministry where, where we're raising up the next generation of leaders. Cypress Creek Church, we've done this so well. Let's continue to look at who's next. I guarantee you it is significant. Here's uh, Zachariah's response to... This awesome word from Gabriel. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. I think he did well with the old man part, but I'm just glad that Elizabeth wasn't there to hear the, the other part. She's well along in, 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 in years. Zechariah questioned God's promise. From one of God's mighty angels, Gabriel, there's only two archangels noted in the Bible, there's Gabriel and there's Michael and Zechariah questioned and distrusted this word. I don't know what was going through Zachariah. I don't know why. But here's what I think, reading this passage. Zachariah was, was accustomed to serving God. He was in the temple. He, 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 he and his wife, I mean, they served God faithfully, and yet there was something that they wanted that God hadn't answered. And so maybe that just hardened their heart a little bit. I don't know about you, but when I start focusing in all that I'm doing for God and I forget to slow down and just be still and know that he is... Almighty, and that every single one of his promises uh, is is true and, and good. And what's best for me, he becomes bigger and I become smaller. And so maybe it was Zachariah's just distrust and hard heart that let him hear. And maybe for you in your walk, you've just been doing the thing, coming to church. Maybe your parents, you grew up in church and you just need to believe again. You just need to believe and trust every word because 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen spoke by us to the glory of God. His promises are always yes and amen. Maybe it's uh, unconfessed sin. You're thinking I won't be forgiven if I share that, or maybe it's letting go of shame or or letting go of uh, unforgiveness, whatever it may be. Let's believe again. Let's trust God in his every word. So here's the consequence. The angel said to him in verse 19, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because he did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut and and be slow to speak and quick to listen. And Zechariah didn't do that. And I don't do that. So here's what I think that this is teaching us to do. It's to mute unwise voices. And before we start pointing the finger, let's start with our voice. What are the things that we're thinking? What are the things that we're saying that are not from God? They're just not wise. They may be right, but they're just not timely. Let's mute those and allow God to do something awesome in If you're wondering, how do I discern what's a wise voice, what's an unwise voice, here's what James has to say. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So there's humility and wise voices. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. So there are some unwise voices, bitter envy, selfish ambition, boasting, denying The truth, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Y'all, it's clear. This is unwise, but here's the wisdom. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and Sincere. We have eight characteristics of wisdom. Do the things that are coming our mouth sound pure, are pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere, or do they sound more like selfish ambition and bitter envy? What does it look like for us to mute those unwise? Voices. And uh, so it says that he came out, Zechariah came out. This is our last uh, point. Uh, People thought, man, something must have happened in there because he uh, encountered God. And then he went home. And this is what it says in verse 23 When his time of service was completed, Zechariah returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant answered prayer, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Praise be to God. We learn from Elizabeth what Zachariah did not do. Elizabeth was grateful. Elizabeth celebrated what God was doing in her life. Are we doing that? Are we, are we finding joy in the little things? Are, are we expecting purpose through pain and in raising up who's next and trusting God's every word and promise and un- muting unwise voices and celebrating what God has done? I love how this ends because John, his name means Yahweh is gracious. And isn't it fitting that the one who prepared the way for the Lord, his name was God is grace. That's what Jesus came to do, is to offer us grace. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas season, that God is with us. And so I want to close by worship. And and if we are all able, let's stand together. and, And I'd love to ask you to uh, meditate on this. Think about it. Is there one, is there two, or maybe all six that we can work on this week? And if there's something that you want to pray with someone about, we'll have prayer ministry folks here and there. They'd love to come alongside you and pray with you. Let's keep Christ significant in this season. Amen. Let's pray together. We're grateful, God, that you are with us here, that your presence is here because of your promise to be present with those that gather in your name. We don't take that for granted, God, and so Holy Spirit, we yield to you and and we ask that you would work in us and through us as we uh, prepare to celebrate your coming on Christmas Day. Grow our expectancy, God, and give us eyes to see where you are working. Allow us to stay focused on what is most significant. Father, I pray a blessing over every home that's represented here in this room. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to say yes to you. That's what Christmas is, that that you became man and and made a way uh, for us to be close to the creator through your son who pay the perfect price for us. And so if there's anyone in the house that has yet to say yes to Jesus, there's no better way to celebrate Christmas than saying, yes, God, I I surrender and believe that you came to die for me to pay the price that I deserved to grant me everlasting life. So if that's you, I encourage you to talk to someone that you came with this morning and make that decision and declaration.